Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. What Joseph didn't realize, what he didn't understand was God was using this to shape and mold him for the next assignment. Where you're at in life right now, I don't know, maybe it's good times. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're like in the midst of a storm. Maybe you feel like, maybe you feel like, yeah, man, I'm right there with Joseph and I feel like I'm just stuck in this dungeon and I'm waiting on God to show up and and to let me out. I would encourage you with this. Um, Don't give up on him. Do not give up on the Lord. Are you currently facing a trial in your life? Even if you can't see past your current circumstance, the Lord sees the bigger picture and he's using those trials to shape you. Pastor James encourages you in today's message to stay grounded in Jesus during the hard times. This life wasn't meant to be easy every step of the way. Joseph spent years in prison, and the Lord used that season of his life to prepare him for what was to come. How might the Lord be preparing you? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 40 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. They tell him their dream. Chief cupbearer told Joseph his, his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me, and the vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup, and I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hands. All right? So, so there's a dream, and there's some, a little bit of significance there with, you know, there's three vines and the crushing of these grapes, and, and you know, really at that point in time, it's just grape juice is all it is. But um, he said, this is, this is the dream he had, and he's trying to figure out, like, well, well what is this? me. And I really love these chapters when it says this stuff, but it also gives you the explanation, right? Because then, because sometimes these things are hard, right? You're like, well, I don't know what that means. I have no idea. But Joseph's like, oh, I got you. I got you. No worries. Verse 12, he says, this is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Three days is pretty significant in the Bible. I don't know if you guys know that, but we're going to celebrate something that had three days, you know, at the, you know, really at the forefront of, uh, you know, the most important event in history when Jesus dying and raising again. But Joseph says, in three days, three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. So clearly, whatever happened... The cupbearer was an innocent individual. Something happened, but the cupbearer was maybe grouped together with the baker, and they both were thrown into prison. So here you have Joseph, who's unjustly in prison, and on both sides of him, there are two criminals, and one will ultimately die. Spoiler alert. Um, One will die. The other one gets saved. That sounds sounds like an Easter story I remember about this guy unjustly dying on the cross, and on both sides of him were two criminals. And one said to him, hey, can I go with you where you're going? Hey, don't, don't forget me, Jesus. Can I go? And Jesus says, hey, today you'll be with me in paradise. The other one was mocking and didn't even care about any of that stuff, and he ultimately died. And it ended up to his, his destruction. 
There's a lot of that stuff within this chapter. If you're just kind of reading slowly and you're just walking through it, you're like, interesting. That's so fascinating. Joseph is kind of what we call a type of Jesus. Now, most Bible commentators, most of those guys would say, no, technically not. However, you watch through his life and it's like he was hated by his brothers um, he was sold out by his brothers. That happened to Jesus, too. All this stuff, he was, he, Joseph wasn't sinless, but Jesus was sinless. And so even him going through the trials that he went through and dying on the cross, I mean, that was all unjust. This is a righteous man. He didn't do anything wrong. So here's Joseph saying, hey, in three days, you're going to be restored, brought back to life, so to speak. Restored to your position, serving the king. You'll be at the right hand of the king. So that's good news. So the cupbearer obviously is going to be pretty stoked about that. And so is the baker, because he thinks like, oh, sweet. This guy's given out all kinds of good like dream interpretations. So I'm next in line. Let's hear what mine is. But Joseph, before he, he explains this, he does have one request for the, the cupbearer, because he knows, and, and Joseph believes, like, no, this is what's going to happen. It's not Joseph interpreting the dream. It, the dream is, the interpretation is what Joseph is receiving from the Lord. So he understands, like, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. He says, you know, you'll be restored back there, verse 14, but please, or and please, remember me, and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place. Again, just there's a word there, or two, two little words there, that should be setting off these alarms within our heads and in our hearts concerning what we know from the New Testament and what we know from bread and wine and all this stuff. Remember me. Remember me. Remember me. Remember me. The same thing Jesus had said, even the night he was betrayed. Hey, when you take this cup, do this in remembrance of me. Remember, remember. So, I mean, all this stuff is just very steeped in, like, gospel kind of pictures. But Joseph requested to this guy, is like, listen, man, I don't deserve to be here. So you work right next to the Pharaoh. Like, you have his ear. Can you tell him about me? Because I shouldn't be here. And, and he's right, and he's true. It, like, nothing could be truer. I mean, he doesn't deserve to be there. He goes on to say, verse 15, for I was kidnapped, kidnapped from my homeland. That's fascinating, right, that he would phrase it that way. The, the land of the Hebrews. I, I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. Think about that. Think about that. This is his opportunity to out his brothers. He wasn't stolen. He was sold. And here's Joseph, still loyal to his family, even his brothers, who turned their backs on him, who first threw him in a ditch, threw him in a hole, set up tables around that hole, and had lunch as their brother is screaming for help in that hole, begging for his life. And when he's here, he's in prison. This is his opportunity. This is his chance to show what kind of rats his brothers are, right? How horrible these guys are. I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. I was stolen. Can you help me out? I don't deserve to be here. Man, I was, I was stolen from my homeland. The ones who were guilty of that were his brothers, but he doesn't even mention them. He doesn't even mention them. That plays later on when, when Joseph interacts with his brothers and he says, listen, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. God causes all things to work through the good to those who, are called, who love him and are called according to his, his plan and purpose. That's essentially what Joseph was saying. It's almost as if like even in this moment, 
he's not holding on to any bitterness. He's not holding on to any un, you know, un, unforgiveness or anything like that. It's like he's let all that stuff go. This is a kid, maybe in his 20s at this point in time. There's some thought that he probably spent about 10 years in prison. 10 years. Are you kidding me? That was the idea, is that his total time in prison for a crime he did not commit, living in a land where he's only there because his brother sold him as a slave, he spends essentially about 10 years locked up. And you're going to tell me that your response to this one guy who can probably has the, you know, the opportunity to free you is, man, I'm just was stolen from my home. I was stolen from my, I, I just love that and I'm humbled by that. Because again, me, I'm the opposite. I'd be like, let me tell you about my family. Um, let me tell you what they did to me. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that at all. Not at all. And he had every right to do it. I have a lot to learn from Joseph. I have a lot to learn from him. But he says I was stolen. And here also, I've done nothing that they should put me into the pit. And he's not complaining. He's not complaining. He's just stating facts. That's it. He's not complaining. Verse 16, when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream, or that the first dream had such positive interpretation, um, he saw that it was so favorable, right? Um, he was quick to get in line. He's like, all right, me next. Me next. Um, I can, you know, and he's probably thinking, like, I, 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 can, I can't even imagine how good it's going to be for me. The thing is, is that this guy probably was guilty of something. And he knew that, right? Like, he knew that. He was probably guilty of something. So he gets in line, and he says to Joseph, the dream I, I had a dream, too. In my dream, there were three baskets of, of bread, or New Living Translation says, like, white pastry. Um, oh, just a side note. I was telling my kids about this as I studied the way the culture worked back then. Uh, Egyptian bread. You, you probably went, I'm a bread guy. I love carbs. Um, I love them. They are the best thing in the world. Um, I love carbs. I love bread. I, fresh. I love that type of stuff. Um, not Egyptian bread. This stuff was like rough. It was so dense and hard that it would like wear their teeth out. That's how tough this bread was. So, so anytime I think of this, I used to think of this as like, you know, coffee cake, which is amazing, right? But this is probably like just their normal standard bread. But he's got three baskets of bread. There, there he says, three baskets uh, of bread, this Egyptian bread, on my head. I, get, I don't know if that's standard practice of how he carries the bread into the king. I have no idea. But the bread is stacked on his head in these baskets. Then he says, but birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. He's like, this is weird. Um, he didn't serve them to the king, not in his dream. Not like the cupbearer who like took the grapes, crushed the grapes, and then served the king the juice that came from the grapes. The bread guy's like, I don't know, I was carrying bread to the king, and then all these birds came and ate the bread out of the baskets on top of my head. And Egyptian mythology there's oftentimes bread or birds were equated with some of their gods, okay? So for us, going through the Bible, there's usually only about like one good reference for a bird, and that's a dove, which is sometimes the Holy Spirit is likened to a dove. Usually any other birds in that scenario are not, not a good sign. They're really not a good sign. So this guy, although he thinks like this probably means something really good, and because he understands maybe he worships one of the gods, one of the many gods that they have, who looks like a bird, we have no idea. But he's thinking, this is going to work out well for me. I'm thinking, you're telling me birds are eating the bread off of your head as you're trying to get this bread to the Pharaoh. I don't interpret dreams. 
But when I read that, I'm thinking, like, that doesn't sound good to me. Like, I'm not an expert on this field at all, but that sounds kind of bad. If I'm just, even if I don't know anything, you're not doing your job. You're not delivering for your king. You're not, something has interrupted that. So Joseph has no problem with telling this guy the truth, which praise God for that. Like, he could have been, like, you know, not non-confrontational and, and maybe try to figure out some way to work his way around telling this guy what ultimately this dream means. But no, Joseph's like, I'm going to tell you the truth. You want to know what your dream means? You're not going to like it. But um, here you go. This is what that dream means. Verse 18. Joseph told him the three baskets also represent three days. And his eyes are probably like getting bigger. And he's like, oh, yeah, OK, three days and I'm out too. I'm a free man. Well, you will be out for sure. Three days, um, three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impel your body on a pole, or hang you, as uh, some translations say. Hang you on a tree. So which one was it? Was it impaling? Was it hanging by a tree? I mean, who knows? It's, culturally, it could have been impaling them, because oftentimes that's what, what these nations would do. They would impale maybe their war prisoners or criminals. They would just impale them. Sometimes they would hang them. That's true. What happens to this guy? I don't know. The guy dies. That's all I know. I don't know how he does, but it doesn't even matter, right? Like, what, what was told him of what was going to happen came true. So he's thinking, like, Pharaoh's going to restore me. That's, that's even what some of the words that, that Joseph was saying. And then maybe in your translation, it says, he will lift up your head from your body, <laughs> right? So that's where we think the hanging actually happened. But Joseph's like, and that almost seems comical to me. You mean you can imagine Joseph like breaking this news to this guy of like, yeah, in three days, um, yeah, Pharaoh's going to lift, you know, he's going to lift up your head from your body, right? Like he leaves that long pause there and the guy's like, okay, oh wait, from my body, yeah, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to be executed. And this guy's like, oh man, um, can I take that back? Can I not have my dream interpreted? Can we just forget this even happened? Like, where can I hide in this prison cell? That's what I'd be doing. Like, um, how, do I avoid, how do I avoid this coming true? And he says, the birds, you remember the birds that are eating the bread from your head, um, they're actually going to eat you. That's what that means. One guy, the cupbearer, is like, you know, he's excited. And he's like, oh, man, I'm glad I'm not that guy. So these guys probably work together. But again, the baker more than likely was guilty of something. But they're in prison with Joseph. He just so happens to know how to interpret dreams. And in three days, it happens. Verse 20, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later. He prepared a banquet for all his officials and his staff, and he summoned his, key, his chief cupbearer and the chief baker to join the other officials, okay? So you can imagine how this baker is just sweating, right? Like, oh, he's like, maybe he was wrong. Maybe he got it wrong. Who is this kid anyways, right? Like, we don't know. He does, what does he know? He doesn't know what's going to happen. But they get to stand in front of Pharaoh. It says, and he restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup, just like in the dream. Verse 22, but Pharaoh impaled the chief baker or hung the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he had interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however... Forgot all about Joseph. Thanks. Three days and you forget? Come on, right? Like, I mean, there's no excuse for that. Like, I can understand if we're talking years. Chief Cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. So here's Joseph, sold into slavery by his family, 
bought by Potiphar, works faithfully for this man. This man's wife has eyes for Joseph. She herself is probably pretty attractive as well. She accuses him of doing something that he did not do. He took a stand for justice. He took a stand for righteousness. He didn't do anything wrong. It ends up getting him thrown into prison. And he's serving the Lord faithfully in prison. And he ministers to these two guys. One ends up dying. The other one ends up living and forgets that Joseph even exists. Totally forgets about him. Three days. Three days later. I remember three days ago. Not everything about three days ago, but I remember three days ago. And if you're going to tell me that somebody came into my life and interpreted a dream for me and brought to me the greatest news of my life, and you're going to forget about him three days later? And now I understand. The guy standing before Pharaoh, he's probably overwhelmed with joy. I get it in the moment. Sometime that joy wears off. For this guy, it's not till like two years later. I mean, he's just totally forgotten. And there's Joseph. I mean, just, just put yourself in prison with him. When I read through the word and when I study through the word, th- that is, that's how I do these things. I just try to put myself in the story. And I can imagine myself being side by side with Joseph as every single day he's waiting to hear those footsteps from, a prison, from some palace guard to come and set him free. Every single day. And nothing, nothing, nothing. I mean, for for all we know, at this point in time, at least for two years straight, you're just waiting. Man, I I poured out my life into this guy. I ministered to this guy. I took care of this guy. I told him. The last thing I told him was, remember me. Remember me. And he's up there serving the king, and he is totally, completely forgotten about it. He doesn't even give Joseph another thought. And there's Joe in prison just waiting. If there was any moment where you would be, begin to question, God, okay, are you here? Like, seriously. Like, okay, all this you know, works out for the good. Yeah, but I'm in prison right now, and I shouldn't be here. And I've served faithfully here. And I've ministered to these people here. And you sent two people to me. Now, one, one goes off and is executed, but you sent me one, and he, and he gets to stand before the Pharaoh. And I told him not to forget about me. I told him my story of how I'm here and I shouldn't be here. God, what's going on? What is it? Why am I so alone? Why am I trapped in prison? When do I get rescued? When is my deliverance? That's what I'd be doing. In fact, that's what I have done in my walk with Jesus. I tell you, like moving down here was like one of the most challenging things I've ever done. I've ever done. And I've had so many in prison moments where I'm like, okay, God, hi, um, have you forgotten about me? Because I'm here. I'm here. But where are you at? Joseph's just in prison. And we don't, we don't know, but, but he's just there, just waiting, just waiting. And he, he, the thing that keeps him grounded, the thing that keeps him anchored, God's still with me. God's still with me. It's all good. God's still with me. I'm all right. Another day comes and goes. It's okay. I'm sure God's going to work this out. I'm sure God, I would love to have that resolve. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. I'm not all bad, okay? Just so, just so you know. Like, it's not every day like that. There are a lot, plenty of days where I'm like, God's got it. Not even worried about it. No worries. That's common. If you get texts from me, I'm oftentimes it's no worries. No worries, no worries. That's kind of like my mantra, so to speak, in life. Like, nah, no worries. 
God's got it. He's got it. I'm not worried about it. But you know what? If I'm honest, and I bet in that two-year period, I'm sure there were times where Joseph's like, um, hey, God, <laughs> I know you're in control, but um, is this ever going to happen? Is this, you know, what's your plan? What's your plan? What Joseph didn't realize, what he didn't understand was God was using this to shape and mold him for the next assignment. Where you're at in life right now, I don't know, maybe it's good times. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're like in the midst of a storm. Maybe you feel like, maybe you feel like, yeah, man, I'm right there with Joseph, and I feel like I'm just stuck in this dungeon, and I'm waiting on God to show up and, and to let me out. I would encourage you with this. Um, don't give up on him. Do not give up on the Lord. Because maybe, and I can testify to this for the past almost four years now, everything that I've experienced and encountered living down here and going through different things down here has been the Lord shaping and molding me into what he wants me to be, who he wants me to be for the next assignment or what, what the next thing is that he's going to throw at us. And as Calvary Galveston grows and all that stuff, he's got plans. I want to be prepared for his plans. Sometimes that means you've got to spend a few years in prison, so to speak, as he's working on you, molding you, shaping you. You have to have patience. But the thing that's going to keep you anchored and grounded, and I, I just always think of this that's permanently on my arm, this anchor, Hebrews 6.19, we are connected to Jesus. We are connected to Jesus. And he, he not only will he not forget about you, and he hasn't forgotten about you, he not only will he never leave you nor forsake you, he stands before the Father, and he is praying for you each and every day. Each and every day, you are not forgotten. You may feel forgotten. There's times where I feel forgotten. The truth is, the reality is, we are not forgotten. He's working. He's working in the background. We just have to trust that. Trust that for yourself. And I would also say trust that for others in your life that you care about, that you're concerned about, and that you're praying for. God, you got to do something. you got to do. He's the only one who can do something. Just trust him. Just trust him. He's so good. God is so good. He's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. And we'll see that. We continue on. Joseph himself is going to be elevated. I mean, he's working for Pharaoh. I mean, he is like, he is the man of Egypt as we move forward. The man. But he doesn't get there without spending 10 years or so in a dark prison. Right? You don't get to, you don't get to rule kind of the nation, the nation at the point in time in history um, without going through, uh, you know, a few dark years yourself. So I think it was A.W. Tozer who once said that um, before God uses someone mightily, he often wounds them severely. And that's a loose quote, okay? He probably said it some other way. But oftentimes, he brings you through this whole transformation process before he's ready to use you. So let's hold on to his word. Let's hold on to his promises. Let's hold on to him and where you're at, be like Paul, be like those guys in, in Philippi where they're in prison, they just got beaten with rods. What are they doing in the middle of the night? They're singing songs. They're just singing songs, right? And the prison guard gets saved because of that. That's, that's how we should live our lives. That's how we should live our lives. So it's not easy. I, I would hope and pray that you are connected with a group of individuals who are believers, um, whether it's a church body. So let's encourage each other. Let's, let, as we see the day of the Lord drawing near, let's, let's encourage one another. Genesis is the beginning of it all. 
not just the Bible, but life as a whole. God detailed his creation story in the first few chapters of this book, and then went on to reveal his power and glory in the following pages. We learn who he is through this book, what's important to him, and how he expects us to follow him. We're so glad you tuned in today for Bread for the Broken to learn from Genesis, and we hope you'll return for our next edition. If you'd like to listen to other messages from this series, visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd also like to invite you to come meet us in person at Calvary Galveston. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. to spend time worshiping God, reading verse by verse through the Bible, and getting to know each other better. When you visit, be sure to find Pastor James and shake his hand. Let him know that you heard him right here on Bread for the Broken. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask for your help. Would you partner with us in prayer? Bread for the Broken is a ministry, and in a way, a mission field. We're reaching people for Jesus through a different kind of medium. And therefore, we need to make sure Jesus is our focus. Would you pray for Pastor James and the team that puts Bread for the Broken together? Pray that we'd all keep our eyes fixed on our Savior and be willing to follow Him no matter where He leads. Thanks for lifting us up in prayer before the Lord. Know that we too are praying for you each day. And thanks for tuning in today to Pastor James' message on Bread for the Broken. We pray that you find hope and new life in Jesus. Let me paint the picture of you.